0: I needed to convince my own mind that this was real and I could use it. So I I did that by having a number of surgeries myself with no anesthetic and no pain. And it was a test for myself to say, well, if I'm going to use this, if I'm going to really be serious about the mind, I want to know deep down inside my own self that I can feel, touch, use this thing as a tangible thing. So I tested it with pain-free surgery and, and I came out of it you know, and I, and it was a success, and I. And from that moment, there was a new level of conviction, a new hunger, a new search, and that really set me off on my path.
1: Welcome to Long the Lift podcast. I'm your host Asa Trechikowskaite. I'm here to remind you the power of your mind, and that you are the creator of your life and your story. We'll talk about all things, mind, body, and soul, and the connection between our inner dialogue, our thoughts, and how it affects our bodies. I'll share my best advice, lessons, and mindset shifts, so you could stop overthinking and find peace of mind. In today's conversation, I talk with a very interesting guest, high-performance coach Lee Evans. He empowers individuals to bring their 10 years vision to life, to today. He works with military teams, pro athletes, and business leaders to help them get the energy back. And that's the topic me and Lee discussed today, how you can take care of responsibility of your energy and maintain high energy levels throughout the day. When he was a child, his father loved before he was born and his mom struggled with mental illness and took her own life when she was 15. When he was 16, he joined the army and build there a successful career. And after that, he spent a decade as a hypnotherapist before he became a high performance coach. So he has a lot of insights that he shares on this podcast with you guys today. This conversation has plenty of good information. So be ready to take notes and let's jump into the conversation. Hey Lee, happy to connect with you.
0: Hey, Ace, how do I say your name? Ace?
1: <laughs> it's Aisve.
0: Aceva, love it. Happy days. Thank you. Happy to connect with you too.
1: <laughs> Happy to have you here. So, first and foremost, the thing that I'm most interested to talk with you about today is energy. And I think it's the most important thing for leaders. And I want to ask you, how is your energy today?
0: My energy is charged like it always is <laughs> because I kind of take it very seriously. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm on a scale of one to 10, I'm probably a nine.
1: Oh, that's amazing. Could you tell me more? How do you take care of your energy?
0: Well, before I do, how's yours?
1: (laughs) Mine is great. I had a very good and long sleep. And that's, I think, the first thing that starts my day very on a good feet. And yeah, then I feel ready.
0: Happy days. Happy days. Well, I think it answers the question that I think you have to, like you are, take responsibility for your own energy is the first uh, decision you have to make for yourself, really. Because, you know, otherwise you're kind of leaving it to chance, you know, and, and you're just letting the world control your energy and, and make you more reactive. Um, and really energy is about, you know, your your physical, mental, emotional, spiritual fuel you know the the way you experience life so I take responsibility for it and that means by building the right habits building the right practices uh, into my life in the way I live so that I can feel that high energy you know on purpose rather than by accident.
1: It sounds like there are a lot of fields that you need to take care of physical emotional spiritual how do you do that on your daily basis?
0: Yeah okay well uh, I over the years I've kind of built my own system if you like from lots of other things that i've read and researched and trained in and everything else and i've came up with my own system that is uh holistic and and complete for me you know i think some of the you talked about sleep which is obviously really important um but you know you can't just sleep for your energy there's there's other things we need to do um for our mindset um so i built the seven pillars what i call the seven pillars and they are breath so there's practices daily on breath work, sleep is one of the pillars, uh, nutrition and hydration, what we're putting into our bodies, exercise and movement being the other pillar so we can keep active and move around. And then psychology and mindset is is a pillar that I have practices in that I focus on. The cold is the sixth pillar, so cold water and the kind of Wim Hof thinking around the science behind that. And then connection being the final pillar, meaning Connection with people who lift you up, who have like-minded energy, uh, you know, but also connection with the moment, connection with yourself, uh, yeah, and connection with a purpose if you like, you know, what it is that gets you up in the morning. So I build practices around all of those pillars and I take them very seriously and that's kind of how I live my life.
1: Mm. How much do you think me and you and each of us spend time on taking care and taking taking responsibility on being vital and being energetic and how much it is uh that we spend that energy throughout the day
0: um i just could you i couldn't quite get the question
1: like how much percent percentage would you get to like taking care of your energy and taking care to be vital and vibrant and alive and then just like spending it out
0: Yeah, okay. Because obviously, (laughs) everything that you do from the moment you wake up takes energy away from you, right? In terms of uh, physical energy anyway, although it's not strictly true, because you know, some things can raise your energy, obviously. But in in a physical sense, if you think of it as a battery, you're kind of depleting energy, the longer you're awake until you then go back to sleep again, uh, generally, although you can have little spikes and charges throughout that day. But I mean, in terms of You know, people, I think, spend a lot of time draining their energy and being stressed, which drains energy, and worrying, which takes away their energy, uh, and not anywhere near as much time in charging their energy, looking after their energy, you know. And I think, for instance, people sitting down for hours and hours at a computer desk, you know, after two three four hours of doing that all day they're, they're depleting cognitively their energy is draining mentally physically emotionally everything is draining you know and they're not able to focus or concentrate and all it would take is every 45 50 minutes or so some little routines that they could do that would then switch that up and switch their energy and maintain a higher level of energy throughout the day you know if you think about a formula one uh race it's like the races are one in the pit stops, you know, they have a pit stop before they need it so they can keep going fast over the whole race. So I think about it like that in terms of, um, just building in the practices into your day. So you, some of them are, you know, they take the time like a 15 minute breathwork session once a day, for instance, that might be 15 minutes of, uh, practice that I'm doing in breathwork, but some, you know, your breath is always there with you. You can breathe breathing, all the time anyway Uh, so you could be using that some people think you know i haven't got time to do that but you're breathing all the time anyway so if you were to become more effective and more conscious and more intentional with your breath for instance you know you could build practices around that very easily But, but people don't
1: yeah we don't that's that's so true because i think all of us we have some energy draining activities and then when we feel depleted we don't want to like take responsibility for it and we we're just like ah okay I'm just gonna go and lay a little bit watch tv or something and I heard that like some people they try to automate as much activities as they can because as you said like everything that we do physically is draining our mental capacity our physical capacity yeah and, yeah there was one scientist uh, she said that like I like to wake up and everything in the morning for me is automated. I don't even think about it. What I'm gonna eat, how I, yeah. yeah, do some things. And she said like that's how I save the energy for my mental workspace where I need to work. And yes. I was thinking, yeah, it's it's a great strategy, but it's even more important to have those um, to have those tools to recreate your energy throughout the day.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. You know, they're both important. So to, to have, you know, because basically what that scientist is talking about is taking away the need to expend thinking energy, you know, mental energy. So I don't have to think about what I'm eating and use energy for that because I've already planned it out for the week. I don't have to think about what I'm wearing, for instance, because, you know, I've already laid it out for the week. So there's just less thought energy being expended there. But, you know, but we're still you know, that's, that's a kind of saving of energy, which is a good thing to do, but we also want to be very proactive in charging up and protecting and, and keeping the energy high, you know, Mm -hmm. and that comes from, that comes from practices, that comes from habits, that comes from doing things.
1: So it's very important to mm, make sure that we have practices to recharge the energy, but do you think it's possible that we eliminate as much as we can things that drain us either delegate them or delete them from our schedule and have like a perfect schedule where we have the things that energize us throughout the day do you think it's like doable in our day's world
0: well (laughs) it's it's a challenge of course it is but you know this is not about having the perfect plan and the perfect plan then is executed exactly like that all of the time you know it's not about perfection it's about having the intention to set these things and having the habits so we protect the uh the time and the energy and if something does take that a soft track for some reason we have the psychological tools and discipline to get back on track very quickly and then reprioritize refocus reset our intention and you know, move something forward. Uh, So it's absolutely possible to live uh, in a way where you're fully charged, you know, in, in a charged kind of life where you're feeling joy every day. I mean, I know that lots of people don't really feel joy in a day, you know, they don't feel, they don't laugh or they don't feel this kind of, uh, real enjoyment of a day every day as a focus. Um, but it's of course, it's possible to live like that if we learn to set our mind and we learn to become aware of ourselves and aware of what I'm doing in a moment, you know, aware of if I'm just reacting to everybody else's priorities and bending all my own priorities all the time, then, you know, there's something I can do to take responsibility for that. So it's it's not about perfection, but it's about striving for better, you know, and, and, and trying hard with that. And if it if it falls over, I go again. You, know, you get back up, you go again. And over time, you can absolutely build a very solid infrastructure that you're very aware of these practices all of the time. So you just, you know, you can delve into things quickly and, and just maintain your charge, you know.
1: Mm-hmm. You work with uh, athletes and business owners and they have a lot of things on their plate. And as you said, each and all of us we strive to be better and what do you think is the main cause that we fail and we like build the structure and we want to change yeah yeah
0: yeah i think there's a number of reasons why uh one of the most common ones is distraction uh so people are basically you know being distracted so often now because messages are pinging in here, the inbox is filling up here. And if they're living in that reactive state where things are constantly triggering their attention to different areas all the time, they kind of don't really do anything very well because they're trying to fight all the fires all over the place, you know? Um, So I think distraction is a big cause of that lack of productivity and lack of effectiveness in that way. And, you know, I like to break the words apart so we understand what they mean. And when I say distraction, I mean anything you do that means you lose traction in something that's meaningful to you, you know? So distraction is a lack of traction in something important. So if I have goals and, you know, I set out the goals and I never actually spend any time gaining traction in those, then distraction is a problem. Um, distraction leads to, you know, reaction. So for instance, uh, people don't generally reflect every day. I know I've seen on your, um, website that you journal, you know, and it's such an important way to develop awareness, keep learning about yourself, keep saying, did I do what I said I was going to do and realize that, uh, and use that information. Um, so I think, you know, people wake up in the morning they go straight into reactive mode because they open their inbox immediately after they open their eyes or they open their, uh, you know, their phone or the social media or whatever it is. And if you do that every day, you're developing a habit of reaction, you know, so it becomes much more easy for you to be reactive. And then that reactive nature spills out into your emotional reactions and your relational reactions. And, and your work reaction so you're kind of in this cycle but people are feeding it because they're too distracted basically and they're not spending time to think about what is important to me today how will i achieve it today you know what can stress me out in this day and how will i get around that so it doesn't stress me out how will i deal with it well you know, and having foresight, having a kind of uh, a little period of time in the morning where you just look out at the day and you have some kind of plan. Um, but it's the same with the week. You, know, you look out at the week, plan the week. It's something I do on a Sunday. So you, you have the best opportunity to focus as much as you can.
1: I loved how you explained this traction that you don't have enough traction. Yeah. And it made me thinking, you know, because a lot of people. They write their goals. And as you said, they never reflect on them. They never check whether they are moving forward or no. Uh, Do you think it's possible that, um, because I know another thing that you are very focused on to help people have their vision and bring it to life. Do you think it's possible that some of us, we write the goals just just to have them? but we don't have traction to actually go towards those goals. So those goals are not really important. That's why we are not getting the traction.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes. I mean, you know, people, lots of people, if you think about it, you know, lots of people at the beginning of the year, they start their new year's resolutions that they call them. Right. And, they lay down, you know, this year I'm going to be like this and this year I'm going to do this or this year I'm going to focus on this or whatever it is. But, you know, very shortly after the new year's started, most of those things have gone out of the window. And it's it's because the only reason people think about new year's resolutions and starting it is because at the start of the year is a feeling of freshness. There's like a new opportunity. It's like, okay, This is going to be the different time. This is my time to restart. This is my opportunity to start again. But they don't keep thinking like that. They don't keep touching that goal. They don't keep reading it. They don't keep looking at it. They don't keep trying because they get distracted or they react to other things or, you know, they they don't believe in themselves. Or like you said, sometimes maybe their goals are not even their goals. Some people set goals because they think it's what they should be doing you know or what other people expect them to do so they then spend a huge amount of time and energy trying to achieve something that their passion isn't really there and they fail at and then feel bad about themselves and kind of build this story up about how rubbish they are you know or how useless they are which isn't true at all because they're they're trying to do something that isn't even lighting them up in any way it's not even their goal you know.
1: What do you think would be important to know when setting goals? So they would be attractive for us to go for them and to create a plan?
0: Yeah, I think, I mean, you know, first of all, I mean, it's a big question, really. But I think a goal has got to be something that is important to you, like you say. Uh, And you have to understand Firstly, what what is it I want to achieve? You know, but more than that is why do you want to achieve it? You know, underneath any kind of motivation is a motive, right? If you bring the word apart, motive, motivation is motive in action, right? Motivation. It comes from a reason. So people are always talking about the why, you know, and it's really important to ask yourself, why do I want to achieve this goal? And just asking that question, you know, if you face a blank and you're like, you don't know why you want to achieve this goal, then maybe that isn't the goal. You know, maybe it's worth thinking about something else. So I think a big part of setting goals that are going to last is, you know, looking to the future and asking yourself questions like, is this goal part of who I want to be in the future? You know, the the future identity the kind of uh who i see myself being in the long term in the future is this goal got anything to do with that is this who i want to become you know and if you can say yes to that then you're starting into the right area of of a goal you know that's going to survive anyway you could look at other things like do i love this you know is there enjoyment is there passion do i would i do this whether I was kind of getting any status or money or anything else like that. Do I love what this thing is all about? And if you can say yes to that, there's like this lighting up feeling inside about this area. You want to achieve something then of course, then the higher you, you know, if it's a yes, then you're kind of, you've got to think about the goals in a bit of detail and, you know, think about why do I want to do it? What is the point? And is it about me? And if you can answer yes to those questions, then you're much more likely to be more motivated, more consistent and drive that thing forward when it gets hard, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah, that, that's like, that's the, the, the best explanation of how to think about goal setting. Because I think, yeah, a lot of us, when we set the goals, it's just like, what would look nice, instead of like, what I would actually love to have and achieve.
0: Yeah, and I think there's there's also a sense of uh, you know people who probably listen to your your podcast here who are like minded and growth minded, they want to contribute to the to something important, you know. So there's another part of a goal is I ask myself, does it does it contribute meaningfully to something that I care about in the world? You know, is it what's the difference that's going to be made if I achieve this goal for others? Is there some impact? Is there some positive outcome here that isn't just about me, that's about service. And, you know, because then I feel proud of my efforts. I feel like I'm making a difference. My life matters. There's some meaning here, you know, and that's an important part of of um thinking about your goals, you know, and and why you want to have them. And that's even before that's even before we get to then, you know, actually having the focus and the concentration skills and practices to actually move them forward, which is hard sometimes, you know, with everything coming at you. (laughs)
1: have you been always this structured and analytical since the beginning how did your childhood look like
0: yeah uh that's a that's a great question and no i haven't is the is the short answer (laughs) i haven't always (laughs) been like this no this is something i've learned over you know probably the last 15 years of my life now has been very serious about development understanding the mind i know having looked at some of your um, stuff on LinkedIn that the mind is a big uh, interest of yours and I had one of those kind of openings of the mind about in about 2009 um, but I started as a young boy in a little village called Wales in in, um, in the United Kingdom uh, and not many prospects didn't do very well at school and uh, not much going on really and I, I lost my mother when I was 15 um, and she took her own life which is a big you know, that was a big shift inside myself, uh, which basically made me think, what do I want to do? Because um, there was nothing going on in the little village. So I joined the British military uh, at 16 years old. And I stayed in the military for 24 and a half years in the end. Uh, and it taught me a huge amount, you know, about people and about leadership. And it built confidence in me. But it also gave me lots of opportunities to discover people development um so I found coaching when I was in the military in about 2008 um and I just found this I was talking just now about this intrinsic value this what lights you up kind of thing I found that moment when I was doing some coaching with somebody after I'd done a course and and you know the penny dropped in somebody's mind and the the realization was there that they could do something different and I loved it and I, I was like oh my god I love that feeling you know of 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 progress, of somebody moving forward because of me or somebody seeing something differently because of me. And so from that day, I kind of, what I've always done with trying to find what is my goal is if I find something I love, I just run towards that thing more. So I didn't know how it would pan out, but I knew I loved that feeling. So I started to do more in personal development and coaching. And eventually I discovered a guy In London called Dr John Butler who uh, is a hypnotherapist and I went and trained with him and the reason I did is because I'd gone through lots of NLP courses and lots of other kind of courses and I just found I didn't find the depth I was after I was I was searching for something that was going to give me more of this feeling of real progress and and the mind was this powerful thing uh, and Dr. John Butler was taking people into surgery with no anesthetic and no pain and no, you know, drugs or anything. And I was like, okay, that's really interesting to me. I really want to understand what, how he's doing that. You know, what is that? Um, so I went and trained with him for a year. This was in 2008. Um, and qualified as a hypnotherapist with him. And that really changed my, that was where I really started to get serious about how I am now with building practices trying to understand the mind trying to understand people and i think a big thing that people have to do is challenge themselves to prove something so for me i i wanted to be a a therapist after i worked with him so i was a therapist for about 10 years after that but i needed to convince my own mind that this was real and i could use it so i i did that by having a number of surgeries myself with no anesthetic and no pain and it was a test for myself to say, well, if I'm going to use this, if I'm going to really be serious about the mind, I want to know deep down inside my own self that I can feel, touch, use this thing as a tangible thing. So I tested it with pain-free surgery and, and I came out of it, you know, and I, and it was a success. And I, And from that moment there was a new level of conviction, a new hunger, a new search, and that really set me off on my path, which... Has then led through to um, therapy, and then high performance coaching is what I do now.
1: What was the surgery for? Because it sounds crazy you know, just to hear that you did the surgery without any anesthet- anesthetics and everything. What was the surgery for?
0: Yeah, there was two different ones. One was um, jaw surgery where my my jaw was broken in four places in surgery. Um, so that that was one of them, which is you know quite an invasive. Uh, uh thing. And then the other one was um uh, deep dental work. So um as a young boy I kind of uh for some reason or another, you know, I lost my mum. Um wasn't much guidance around. So I didn't look after my teeth as well as I should have done as a young boy. So I needed kind of work doing later on in my life. Um so I had some dental work done with no anesthetic, which was down underneath into the nerves and the gums and everything. And so it was it was invasive surgery into the nerves, you know, it was it was a deep Uh, test which is what I wanted for myself because I didn't want to go on to something that I didn't fully believe in
1: I'm just sitting there here and holding my breath trying (laughs) to imagine it
0: (laughs) don't do it for too long
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah because it's like it is I think the most important thing not to like learn something from the theory but as you said you tried it out yourself and you got fully convinced
0: yeah and i think that that comes across in your ability to then help other people you know that's what i wanted i wanted to i didn't want to think about this thing being you know that this thing worked because i'd learned it in a book or somebody told me i wanted to know with full conviction how powerful the mind was so that could come out through me you know through my own the way i speak the passion the kind of the real belief I wanted a full belief inside my own mind so that I could then because beliefs are powerful and you know your belief which is basically a form of energy mental energy that you can put out into the world if that's really strong that can then start to poke holes in other people's beliefs which are false about themselves you know people believe things about themselves that are not true and they feel the effect of that and they live a life based on that so sometimes your own belief if it's so powerful it can it can overwhelm other people's beliefs they can be helped to change their own belief because because of yours does that make sense
1: that's a very interesting thought and i want to like dwell a little bit more into it uh how do you think with strong belief we do that how do we influence other people by sharing our beliefs or just by bringing and being the beliefs that we are
0: yeah, I think, I think you've got to become the example of what you teach or coach or support. You know, there's so many people out there. I think, you know, there's so many people out there who maybe they're a coach or maybe they're, uh, um, you know, helping in some other way. Maybe they're the therapist or maybe they're something else. And they, they don't live that themselves fully, you know. And that in itself takes away their power to help others. And they don't necessarily realize that, but there is something very powerful about somebody, and it comes back to the topic of the conversation you wanted to talk about about here, which is their energy, right? It comes through in the way they move, it comes through in their eye contact, it comes through in the, their, their voice, the tone of their voice, their, the, the passion that they bring that belief comes out through them when they get lit up in and they get into flow and they do their work. If they have strong conviction and they know beyond any shadow of a doubt that this person can change, even though that person on the other side doesn't know they can change and doesn't believe they can change. It doesn't make any difference because I already know they can. So that is a powerful level of belief. Does it make sense?
1: Yeah, I love it. I love it. I absolutely love it because I'm convinced that even like the best coaches like I discussed it and I experienced it myself and I think this is what I'm hearing from you as well that if you truly want to teach something life will give you lessons so you can like integrate the work and then explain it from your own experience.
0: Yeah I think it's a really great way to 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 say it you know I think we have to, but but to, to learn those lessons, you have to be developing your own awareness. You have to be aware of yourself. You have to be, you, you can't just, you know, awareness is not something that you just have. It's something you must seek. We must seek clarity and seek more awareness on a daily basis. You know, and and I do that through reflecting. It's every single night I'm asking questions. What did I, what relationships did I invest in today? Because ultimately relationships are what make us happy, right? So what relationship did I invest in today? So I'm always checking on myself, you know, how did I treat myself today? How did I speak to myself today? I'm always asking myself what I learned about myself today. And I'm transferring the learning to the next day. So there's a deepening of awareness every time you ask yourself searching questions, which is what a really great coach will do is ask searching questions, you know, very targeted, powerful questions that make the other person think, that make the other person question what they're thinking, you're going, oh, hold on, is what I'm thinking true? Because when you can start to poke holes in somebody else's thinking and offer them a new way of thinking, then they can start changing because ultimately, whatever you spend time and energy in thinking is driving the way you feel. And your feelings, that emotional mood, that energy that you have, is basically influencing most of what people do and their actions in life. And when they keep doing that every day, it's influencing who they're becoming. So this belief they have deep inside themselves sometimes, they don't even know what it is, is driving who they're becoming every day at a subconscious level without them even realizing.
1: Yeah. It seems that you do a lot of journaling yourself as well. You said that you plan your day in advance, sorry, your week in advance. And that you you do this every evening reflection
0: yeah so i have a i have one of the practices that i have is in the morning i have a mindset practice so i mean the i i I share with it if you if you like i the first thing i do in the morning is focus my mind on gratitude every single day of my life i open my eyes and it's an immediate it's a one two three routine i've developed one is gratitude and i will stay in that thinking until i feel it so sometimes you wake up in the morning And you might think about gratitude, but you won't feel the connection of it. But the essential part is that I feel grateful. So the first thing I'll do is focus on gratitude, cultivate gratitude, think about what I'm grateful for until I feel it and the smile comes to my face. Number two is I'll stand outside in nature and I'll stand outside, take deep breaths, or I'll activate the breath pillar, start to wake my body up. And when I'm outside, I'm still taking in awe, you know, I'm listening to the sound of the birds. I'm taking in the sight of the fields and the and the nature in front of me, which is enhancing my feeling of gratitude. And the third thing I'll do is come back inside, get some water, hydrate my system, get myself started. And then I go into a period of mindset practice for that day. And that mindset practice is asking myself questions about that day, you know, so, so that I can be ahead of the day all the time. So I can be in control. So I know what I'm spending my time on, uh, and I do the same at the end of the day. So there's a there's a top and a tail to the day. You know, it's, I start the day with awareness. I finish the day with awareness, and I try and join up in the middle with awareness.
1: Do you have the same questions, or do you do you write uh, different questions each day for yourself? Because for you as a coach, it must be easy to write uh, questions for yourself. But uh, what do you think? Is it? is it better to have like the same questions in the morning and in the evening to reflect uh, on the day or to yeah, from, try and yeah. create the new ones for each day
0: yeah so what i've done myself is i've used various planners and journals and other things so there's two different things here one is a daily The daily morning mindset questions, daily reflection questions, that's one thing which develops awareness and keeps me myself in control and aware of what I'm doing in the day and learning from the day. And then journaling is a separate thing. Journaling is a different thing. Journal is asking different types of questions that can promote thought in me that I want to discover and learn from. So I have two different things there. So for the mindset practice and the reflection daily, I have the same questions I ask every single day. And to the point where my whole system, the high performance, the seven pillars that I have, I created my own planner. It's called the High Performance Growth Planner. People can buy it on the internet, but it's how I live. I, I've created the system in a planner that means all I've got to do in the morning is open my book, you know, and then the questions are there. So I ask them every night. So I've developed and discovered what the best questions are to ask for me in the morning and the evening. And then I, I just commit to asking them. Um, you know, that I also have, so it will cover things like that are important to me. It'll cover things I'm grateful for. It will cover relationships. It will cover projects I want to move forward. It will cover potential obstacles and stresses that could catch me out. It would cover my own growth and how I'm going to challenge myself in that growth zone. Uh, it will cover what I need to prepare for. It'll remind me of that. And it will basically ask me how I'm going to enjoy this day. So that's more or less the gist of the morning questions I ask every day. And they're the same every day because it's what I want to be focusing on every day. And then I have this a different set of reflection questions, but they're the same reflection questions I ask every night. Um, and then you know, within that day I have then the practices, so the breathwork practices, the, the sleep routine, you know, the exercise and movement. Where is it today? Where's the nutrition? Where's the hydration? How am I going to talk to myself? How am I using my mind? How's my psychology building today? Where's my meditation practice? Uh, You know, when am I having the cold, cold showers? And who am I connecting with? So I think there's two different things. I have the same set of questions for a daily morning and and evening routine. And then I have different questions. I'll ask myself for journaling activities that I won't do every day. but I may do a couple of times a week, maybe, you know?
1: Me personally, I love journaling as well. I think it's one of the best tools that we can have anytime at our hands. But I have a few friends who just hate journaling. What do you think, like, um, what do you think, yeah, people could do apart from journaling?
0: Uh, Well, I mean, I think if somebody hates journaling, it's because they don't know what to journal about. That's why, you know, if, if you ask yourself the right questions, you would love journaling because you discover so much about yourself, you know, so I don't think it's a question of hating journaling. I think it's a question of they don't yet, they haven't yet found the right kinds of questions to ask themselves to unlock this flow from their own mind, you know, because if you ask the right questions, there's such a magical depth of insight inside everybody's minds that could flow out so i think the, the question is not about do they like journaling or not i just think is they haven't yet discovered the power of journaling because you know it's unequivocal that people who are healthy happy successful in all different forms journal in some way it's not an accident you know
1: that's that's a great answer and it was very similar to mine as well because I said you know many people meditate but they do guided meditations right yeah and I said like it's the same with journaling like do you just meditate just like you have no sound no guiding voice you have a guiding voice and somebody is guiding you so the same is with journaling you don't open and have just a blank play page if you don't have know how to do it right yes just use guided guided writing tools and then it's like a magic tool <laughs> yeah it's, it's totally
0: it's completely magic right it really is you know for instance if i said to somebody please journal on write down the five most important events that have happened to you in your life that you're profoundly grateful for that's a power journal question you know you because people have to then search into their life and they go oh my God, you know, when I joined the army at 16, my whole life changed, you know, it opened up the rest of my life. It, it changed the course of my life. I'm so grateful that that happened. You know, it allowed me to understand values and allowed me to understand people and leadership and, and, and teamwork and, you know, development got me into this thing. And I'm so grateful for that opportunity I had. I've traveled all around the world I've met lifelong friends I've had amazing experiences that just would blow the mind of so many people in different places. And that's just the first part. That's just one out of the profoundly grateful things in my life, you know. And if if you think about that question, you could be writing for pages and pages and pages on that, the answer to that. And it would unearth so much rich feeling and experience from your own life that you can't not love that.
1: Mm. I want to go back a little bit to your story uh, when you said that you you have been a hypnotherapist for a very long time and then you did a switch to become yeah. a high performance coach. Yes. What was this, that switch and why?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I think the reason why was, I, I see it as an evolution really of what I was doing. So you know, I discovered coaching in the military and I love change, but then I discovered the power of the mind and I was like, Oh my God, this has blown my mind. I really want to learn about it. And I learned from a hypnotherapist and, you know, the, the ability to change, to cause change very quickly with the therapeutic use of the mind appealed to me. And so I started to be a hypnotherapist and I was a hypnotherapist for about 10 years. And, you know, it was successful. I had doctors refer people to me and all that kind of stuff, but, I think ultimately it became therapy is very much based usually in the past. And I realized that I didn't want to keep living in people's past, although my sole objective in therapy was to bring them to now so that they could go to the future. But I kind of found that, A, it was a lonely job being a therapist because it was just me and people's problems. And then people would go away, hopefully feeling better in some way. Then the next person would come in with, you know, and some of the problems you face as a therapist are very, very serious, very traumatic. You know, things like sexual abuse as children and, and rapes and the kind of bombings. And, and there's so many horrible things that you have to then open up and unpack with people. Um, and and it's all rooted in trying to get somebody to come here now from the past. And you have to untangle this past. And, I, and, and it was lonely for me as well. I was like, you know, I want some sense of connection, camaraderie, some kind of movement, some community. Um, and I also want to be focused on the future quicker. Because in therapy, you spend a lot of time in the past getting them to now. And then hopefully you can start moving them forward. And I wanted to spend more time starting now and going forward you know I'm like where do people want to go where's the growth where do you want to how do you want to light your life up you know so I naturally then evolved into coaching because um, a number of athletes came to me at different points as when I was a therapist to learn about visualization and and self-hypnosis practices for their performance and I found I really loved working with these people because they were very disciplined they were very focused they wanted to grow so that's how it then switched into coaching because I thought, oh, you know, when I said at the start, I love that moment when that person just had that penny drop moment in their eyes. The same happened again when I when I started working with athletes and I was like, ah, oh, I love the energy, the forward momentum, the looking forward. So I naturally then fell into high performance and found high performance coaching and went and trained as a high performance coach. And uh, yeah, and, and now that's what I've been doing for six or seven years now is that switch into high performance coaching.
1: Yeah, what I'm hearing is that it is very important to learn from your past and to have an aspiring vision for your future, but to also be in the present moment. And I think that your experience really helps you to help people focus on their vision. And do you use like some of the tools from hypnotherapy to uh, help people with their limiting beliefs and so on? Of course.
0: Of course. I mean... You know, what I learned as a therapist, not just from Dr. John Butler, I mentioned, who is just a fascinating authority on the mind in the world, but um, also through then 10 years of clinical practice, what I learned from people and clients and that change journey, you know, was invaluable and will always shape how I think for the rest of my life. So it's not that I've stopped being that person. It's that I have all that experience from there and now I channel it in a different way. So if I'm coaching and I stumble across some kind of limiting belief, some kind of idea that's holding somebody back, then clearly I can draw on the experience that I've gained as a therapist to not do therapy, but to get them to think in a way that kind of opens up a different opportunity for them, which just enhances my coaching, if that makes sense. You know, there's a, if I look at my life, the experience really is 25 years in the military as a leader of people and teams, 10 years as a therapist, and some of that was combined. So I was still in the military as a therapist as well. So there's that aspect of people and change. And now the high-performance coaching, but also my own life, my own, you know, my children, my, my life. So when you look at that, it's quite a lot of experience to draw upon. So, yeah, I do use um, everything that I've learned, really. And, and it's how I've built the system that I have now is, is, a, is a combination of all of that stuff.
1: It sounds very powerful because I think many people can have amazing goals, but the thing that was very surprising for me to discover that I can be scared of my own success, for example, just because I have limiting belief. And I was like, oh, that's very interesting to look into it, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think, you know, just deciding that you want to grow, you want to develop you want to learn about yourself, you want to become aware of yourself, you want to feel more joy in the day, you want to feel more presence in the day, you want to feel more connection, you want to feel more of the day, is an important decision for people, you know? I think if they can get to that place where they think, where they realize actually, even if I don't believe I can achieve that, that doesn't actually mean it's true. That's interesting, right? (laughs) Even if I believe that I can't achieve that thing, that doesn't mean it's true. Yeah. And that's a really powerful understanding for somebody to have, to go, oh, okay, so I feel like this because I believe I'm a bit rubbish at this. But if I know it's not true, now I have some other opportunity, some other option. And that's what really fascinated me, really, was to poke into people's negative thoughts, limiting thoughts, restrictive thoughts that they have about their own self because they're using their own power of their own mind to hold themselves back you know so if we can use that power of the mind to hold ourselves back then clearly we can use it in a different way as well
1: so true yeah learning that each and all of us we are not the things that we are not our thoughts
0: Uh, Yeah, a hundred percent, you know, and you, 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 I'm sure you'll have read the work of, um, Eckhart Tolle and the power of now and and becoming the observer and, and all of that, you know, and it's, it's really, really important because I am awareness. I, you know, I have a body, I have a mind, I have all these resources that I can use in a moment if I am aware of who I am. But a lot of people think the, what they think and their beliefs, that is who they are, but that's not who they are. That's just what they think. But, um, obviously it's powerful. Um, and I think, you know, one of the most powerful things I, I describe this to people is, is like this garden analogy. And I think if you think about a garden and if that garden is full of weeds, and it's overgrown, and there's all lots of bushes everywhere, and you can't see anything, and the flowers can't grow, and all of that, and it's a dark kind of place. You use that analogy for your mind, you know, and those weeds are the limiting thoughts, the limiting beliefs, the limiting ideas that people spend a lot of time nurturing and watering and revisiting and and helping to grow, right? And then I think, okay, but if I have a way of processing negative thoughts so that I can... It's basically like spending time in my garden and taking out the weeds and planting in a new seed and if I'm consistent just at that practice no matter how it feels hard because gardening through that difficult garden may be hard at some times it's backbreaking work you have to put a lot of time into it and effort and all of that but if I keep doing it every day and I have this way of processing my thoughts that leads to empowerment I start planting new seeds. I start weeding all the weeds out. I start, And over time, I start getting rid of those weeds and suddenly I start to have flowers blooming and blossoming. And now it's a nicer place to spend there. So now I want to go back there more. So now I keep tending to these beautiful blossoming thoughts in my mind. And I create and I cultivate this beautiful garden of my mind that I want to spend time in, you know?
1: This connects so much to the thought that you um, expressed before that the idea is to feel more. And I have a question for you as a hypnotherapist. Do you think think that we um, get scared when we are little to feel more? Because all of us, we had some traumatic experience, uh, no matter how big or small it was, but we all had it. So do you think that we get scared when we are little to feel very strong emotions?
0: sometimes it depends on the learning i think you know because all of what we experience is learning really and obviously when we're very young our learning circuits are very open and our brain is very malleable and, and changes a lot quicker and all of that because we're we're absorbing information all the time so lots of what we take in when we're young into our minds can clearly shape how we then see the future right and how we see ourselves and all of that stuff but It doesn't, it's not always like that, you know, because you can have this post-traumatic stress kind of thinking that people feel and they, they're held down with, but you can also have post-traumatic growth, Mm. you know, things that, that taught you such a lesson that helped you grow that, you know, you, somebody could lose a loved one that, they think i'm going to keep that person's energy alive in me now. it becomes a motivational driving force, you know, as it did with me with my mother and with other people so yes, you can you know it's called sensitizing as if I think about myself as a therapist when I was in therapy a lot, we call them sensitizing events, you know things that it's like and the, the best way I would describe this is if you imagine a camera person and they they need the light to capture a good image in the camera need good light right so the emotion really is to the mind like light is to the camera so if there's a highly traumatic emotional situation going on it can capture an image in your mind like a camera would with good light and that can then start to form a fixed idea they call it you know uh, La ide fix is what um, Pierre Jeannet, in back in 1900 or whatever it was, he came up with this theory about the fixed idea. And he was, uh, in contrast to Freud at the time, who thought about something else, you know, and uh, unfortunately Freud gathered the popularity, but actually now we know that Pierre Jeannet was right. The the fixed idea, this this belief that starts to form. So you can, from a sensitizing event or a series of sensitizing events that reinforce each other, you can then develop this fixed idea, which becomes a belief, which drives the way you feel, which then, you know, makes you avoid things and you don't take action certain ways. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, it does. Because the reason why I'm asking as an observer of myself and others, I see that like it's yeah maybe our day's culture that it has so many ways that are helping us to numb our feelings and to numb our emotions, you know, and to kind of, like, go into that limbo state, which is, like, for me, completely opposite of being alive and vibrant and, yes. as you said, like, spreading that energy and, like, feeling it, like, and everything around you, which is, like, the biggest goal, I think, for everyone yeah. in
0: life. Yeah, I think so. And I, and I think, you know, if you think about it, it's just the, the fundamental thing that people need to know and need to realize in their own minds uh, is that there is a choice right because sometimes people don't feel like they have a choice you know they'll say well i've always done it like this or this is who i am and all that kind of stuff and all of that is just an identity that they've built up that they're reinforcing all the time that they're living there and they do it because to not do that would be scary because that's uncomfortable and that's different. I haven't done that before. And what will people think and all that kind of stuff. But ultimately, if you know underneath all of that, it's what Viktor Frankl, have you read Man's Search for Meaning, that book by Viktor Frankl?
1: I'm not sure. I think I haven't.
0: It's a fundamentally powerful book. I would really encourage you to read it. Um, It's called Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. But basically, the, the, what, what Viktor Frankl did was uh, in the prisoner of war camps back in the war, he observed uh, how prisoners were behaving and why were some prisoners in these terrible conditions, in the worst kind of conditions you could ever imagine in the world, why were they choosing to whistle and smile and, and be kind to each other and, and express joy and share? And he discovered that it was because they realized that nobody could take away the last of the human freedoms, which is the ability to choose your own attitude. And it's a really powerful lesson that we learned from that book and that experience, which if you realize nobody in the world can take away, no matter what's happened to you, no matter what people have told you, no matter what you've experienced, you still have a choice to think in a certain way. And if you can accept that as a truth, then why can't you develop new learning then? Because all you've done is learn anyway. All you've done is learn to be a certain way, learn to be anxious, learn to be, this is how I should act. Learn, it's all learning, right? And if we know we've got a choice to choose our own attitude, no matter how it feels, this is a difference. We can do things despite the way it feels, I can go out into the garden and I can weed that garden for hours, despite the way it feels. It feels really hard and tiring and difficult. And am I ever going to get to the end and all of that? But I still have a choice to go out there despite the way it feels. And if I realize that last of the human freedoms and nobody can take away from me, then I can change.
1: Yeah. And it's also about unlearning things as well.
0: Yeah. What you learn through experience, you unlearn through experience, right? And I say often to people, you can't unknow what you've just known. So if I'm in coaching with somebody and they have a breakthrough, you know, sometimes I have this real big breakthrough. I'm like, you can't unknow that ever. You can't ever unknow that now. And I make sure I reinforce that idea with them, you know.
1: Yeah. Lee, it was the greatest energy having you on the podcast. (laughs) I'm so glad that we did it. Let my listeners know where they can find you.
0: Thank you, Aisba. It's been really, really lovely to connect with you. And I hope it's the first of many connections in the future. Um, Yeah, they can find me at um, highperformancegrowth.com is my website, www.highperformancegrowth.com. And if somebody, I don't know when this podcast goes out, but this Friday at two o'clock British summertime. I'm uh, running a free webinar for people to come into this energy. So they run every month, but that's where they can find me, highperformancegrowth.com.
1: That's great. Thank you.
0: Thanks for your time. I really appreciate it.